Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our series, Emotions. And today I want to talk about sad and joyous. And what made Jesus sad? Matter of fact, if you're on live stream and you're in the chat area, what made Jesus sad? Go ahead and type it in. If you're on Facebook, Facebook Live, and you're watching this service, go ahead and type in your comment. What do you think made Jesus sad? And then, why don't you type in this comment? What made Jesus joyous? Now, if you're listening on a podcast or another time, Go ahead and just answer it in your head or out loud if you're with someone else. What made Jesus sad? And what made him joyous or glad? What do you think really caused Jesus to be sad? Hmm. Well, in Luke 19, verse 41 and 42, it says these words, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but, but, but now it's hidden from your eyes. So why did he cry? Why was he sad? Well, let's remember why Jesus came to this earth. He, he came to seek and save those that were lost. He came to give us life and life more abundant. Jesus came to proclaim the good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, and he came to set the prisoners free. And so when he looked down at the city, He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. He saw them lost. He saw them, as the Scripture says, without the peace that He could bring them. It was hidden from their eyes, and so He was sad. I've been up to Beatty Park many times, and from that vantage point, you can look down and see parts of the city. I've been up to Lookout Point, And I've also been to the top of Harris Grade where you can look out pretty much from those three points. You you can see a lot of the valley of Lompoc. And when I stood up there and prayed before, I've wept. I've wept for the lostness of people. I've wept for the fact that many of them do not know the peace that they could find in Christ. That's the very thing as he looked down over Jerusalem. He didn't just see dirt. He didn't just see geography. He saw hearts. And he saw the lostness of people. Another passage, Matthew records in chapter 23, verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you're not willing. Was he upset that the prophets were stoned? Absolutely. Was he upset about the violence towards them? Absolutely. But what also caused him to weep, what also caused him to ache and be sad was the fact that he, like a mother hen, wanted to gather the people of Jerusalem up under his wing and bring them close. But they were not willing. That's what makes people, uh, excuse me, that's what makes Jesus sad. When Jesus is unable to bring people close to himself, it makes him sad. Well, what makes him glad? What makes him joyful? When people come to him. 
When people say, I want to give my life over to Christ. In Luke 15, Jesus gives us a familiar story. It's the prodigal son story. And he paints this picture of the gladness of the father when his son returns home, but the sadness when he feels that he's lost his son. Remember, Jesus is a master storyteller. And when he's telling this parable, when he's telling this story, when he's painting this picture, he wants us to know about the father's heart, but also his own heart. The son comes to his dad and he says, Dad, let me paraphrase. I don't like your leadership. I don't want your influence in my life. Actually, I want my inheritance because I'm going to go out and do my own thing. I'm drifting away from you as my father. Now, in biblical law, that boy had every right to leave his father. And that father had every right to wash his hands of his son, to, to, to kick the dust off his feet, as it were, and say, see you later, son. And the son would be as dead to the father. The father had no obligation to give his son his inheritance. None. But yet he does. He actually, in the story, splits the inheritance between the two boys while he's still living. Now, for someone in biblical times to say to their dad, I want to take my money and run, it's as though he says, I wish you were dead, dad. And he walks away from him. Talk about pain. Talk about anguish. Talk about sadness. And this boy, as you know the story, no doubt, ends up in the worst possible situation. He squanders all of his money away in what's called riotous living. And he ends up in the worst possible situation, laying with the pigs and wondering if the pig food would be good for himself. Luke 15, verse 11 to 17 records these words, much of what I've just shared with you. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not longer after the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And then this statement, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. I wonder how often we have drifted off track. And it's before we come to our senses, our emotional rationale, or even better than that, our spiritual senses that we turn back to God. There are situations in life where we are at rock bottom that even the worst thing becomes tempting. Just uh, percolate on that for a moment. There, there are situations in life where we are at rock bottom that even the worst thing becomes tempting 
to us. In this case, even the food that was falling out of the pig's mouth. Luke 15, 17, that statement again. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? It's the desire of my life versus the life that God desires for me. And we hold those points in tension. Desires of my life on one side and the life God desires for me on the other. Ever been there? I have desires in my life. You have desires in yours. And on the opposite side are the life that God desires for me. My Father's servants have it better than I do because the Father had decided that the servants would live at that level. In other words, He had a desire for them and their life. See, the sad part is that there's so many of us that get to a place where where we're so lost and we're so broken. I hear story after story after story where people give up because they've made mistakes. They've made decisions that have somehow impacted their life negatively, and it all seems so bad and so horrible that it could not be repaired at all. And so they end up doing things that make their situation even worse. The boy begins to wonder, what if, what if I go back home? Luke 15, 20 says, so he got up and went to his father. The smartest thing he could have done. He got up and went to his father. When we talk about sadness, we see Jesus longing for people to come to their senses and move forward in their faith. I love how author Max Lucado talks about this story. He says the boy stared at his reflection in the muddy puddle, and he questioned whether the face was really his. It didn't look like him, and the, the flame in his eyes had been extinguished. The smirk had been humbled. The devil-may-care attitude had been replaced with soberness. He tumbled headlong and landed face first. It wasn't enough to be friendless. It wasn't enough to be broke. It wasn't enough to have pawned the family ring, his coat, even his shoes. The long hours walking the streets didn't break him. You'd think that the nights with only a bunkhouse pillow or the days lugging a bucket of pig slop would force a change of heart. But they didn't. Lucado says the reason they didn't is because pride is made of stone, thick stone. Hard knocks may chip at it, but it takes reality's sledgehammer to break our prideful hearts of stone. And this boy was beginning to crack. His first few days of destitution were likely steaming with resentment. He was mad at everyone. Everyone was to blame. His friends shouldn't have, should have bailed him out, and his brother should have come to bail him out. His boss should feed him better, and his dad never should have let him go in the first place. No doubt, Lucado says, he, he named a pig after each one of them. 
Failure invites finger-pointing and buck-passing. A person may be out of money, out of a job, out of friends, but he's never out of people to blame. And sometimes it's the family. If my parents had taken their job more seriously, if my father wasn't so mean and ornery, if my husband wasn't so selfish, if my kids had any respect for me. And sometimes it's the system. It's the school's fault. This Zoom school is just, I've had enough. It's the government's fault. If I'd been given an equal shot, I would have been promoted. This whole place is rigged. There's no way a person can move up in this world. And even the church has a few bucks passed its way. Oh, I'd attend church, but I, I did that several years ago, and, and no one's really friendly there, you know. And after all, churches are filled with hypocrites, a bunch of folks that are just spiritual hypocrites. And soon you are right, and everyone else is wrong, and you are the victim, and the world is your enemy. When we talk about finding true joy in Jesus Christ, the first thing I want us to remember is it starts with taking one step towards our Father. And that's my first point. Just take one step towards God. Take one step towards God, your Father. This boy decided, you know what? I, I need to dust myself off and go home and take one step. And he starts going home. This step is what makes Jesus happy. We talk about what makes Jesus joyful. It's this step. And if you're on a live stream chat or if you're on Facebook Live, hey, why don't you type in there a proclamation to everyone? And here it is. Get up. Get up. And if you're listening on podcasts or you're watching this and maybe you're not online with us in the chat room, just tell yourself, hey, get up. I'm telling myself, get up. Why? Because we need to move towards God. Luke 15, 20 again. So he got up and he went to his father. And he's going towards the father. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And I want you to catch this. I know some of you have heard this story many times. But he ran to his son, and he throws his arms around him, and he kisses him. No doubt he was stinky and messy and dirty, but I love this picture. The boy didn't need to clean up before he came back to his father. He just needed to move forward. He just needed to go towards God his father. No doubt in his back pocket was a dirty apology speech. He probably had practiced it numerous times. And he's thinking, you know what, I'll, I'll just ask my dad to forgive me and for him to restore to me a place at least as one of his servants. Jesus is joyful when someone moves towards him so he can take them to the father. That's what he's all about. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, now, some of you that are listening right now, some of you that are watching right now are just believing, that's great, Pastor Bernie's preaching an evangelistic sermon for all those people who are far away from Jesus and need to give their life to him. Oh, come to the altar. <laughs> well, yes, I am. But I'm also speaking to you. 
Because I want you to grab this question as simple as it is, it's also deeply profound. Where have you drifted from God? Where have you drifted from God? Think about that for a moment. Have you drifted from God in your faith? Have you drifted from God in your hope? Have you drifted from God in your responsibility to your family and to your friends? Have you drifted from God in loving and serving others? Have you drifted from God in a hardened attitude of worship? Have you drifted from God from reading your Bible and from following along, whether you use the SOAP method as we do here or some other journal where you write down what God gives you? Have you, have you drifted away from an intimate relationship with God? Where do you need to get up? Where do you need to take a step towards the Father? And the Son says, let me, let me just, 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 just work for you. <laughs> I don't expect you to take me back as your son, but at least just let me be on your property. Let me be one of your servants. And here you see the picture of what Jesus is trying to help us understand. He's saying that this is the picture of the Heavenly Father. When the son is walking home and the father sees him, he's so excited, he runs to the father. And the father runs to him. And when he gets to his boy, he kisses him and hugs him and he celebrates. Luke 15, 21-24 tells us the story. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, the pride is gone now. The arrogance is gone now. The humility is there. But Father, he called to him, but, but, but the Father said to his servants, quick, quick, bring the robe and put it on him and put the ring on his finger, the ring to restore the one that was pawned and put sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, dancing in joy. For this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. Remember, when everything comes to this earth, it, it comes here alive and it dies. When we come to Jesus, we come to him dead and he gives us life. He's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. That's the joy of Jesus. And the Father, like our Heavenly Father, embraces him, kisses him, restores him to that place in the family. And you want to talk about amazing grace? I love this picture because Jesus is telling us we don't have to clean up our mess before we come to him. I love this picture because Jesus is letting us know just, just as we are, we can come to God. And the Father is so elated that he's celebrating and he tells the people in his home, come on, celebrate with me. It's, it's, it's a moment of joyfulness. And it, what, it's what makes Jesus joyful. Like he wants us to be his followers and to be joyful, to no longer be sad. My son isn't dead, he's alive. And that's the picture of, of Jesus when one person returns back to God or for the first time someone gives their life to Jesus. We're called to be celebrators. Now the son, the older son, remember there were two, 
is on his way home and he's coming from the field and he hears the music and he can smell the fatted calf that's cooking over the red oak with Susie Q seasoning on it, man. And it's party time. Luke 15, 24 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing and reading on. So he, he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And you think the older boy would be excited. Now I know a lot of you know this story, so you're already going ahead of me. Verse 28 records, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, son, come on, celebrate. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been here slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours, didn't say brother, my brother, no. This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him. You have one son that left the home and didn't want anything to do with his father. And he repents and come back. But the other son technically was still at home. Physically was still there. But I wonder how distant his heart was. He didn't care that his brother was now alive and found and restored. He didn't share the same feelings that his father shared, which makes me wonder what was really going on in this brother's heart. You see, I submit to you that one son had physically distanced himself from the father, and the second son was emotionally distancing himself from the Father. One was physically gone, and the other one was emotionally gone. I think the thing that we want to look at, and it's point number two, that we enjoy a relationship with the Father instead of just following the rules. What did the older son say? Dad, I follow the rules. But something was missing. You see, the bad boy is saved, and the good boy is lost. The good boy is lost because of his goodness. He's tied up in his works, in his religiousness. Luke 15, 31, my son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, and he was lost but now he's found. He said, you're always with me. In other words, you have more going on for you than you realize. I find Christians sometimes get tired of being Christians. They go to church, they get tired of being in church or watching our line or going to our outdoor venue. I get it. But in that, God is saying, you underestimate your value. You underestimate all that you have and all that you are. You're my son. Everything I have is yours. Listen, we lose nothing by being obedient to God and following his word. We lose nothing by pursuing a life that pursues God. We lose nothing. I wonder what was lost for the, the son who had gone out and 
rebelled against his dad, righteous living. Sure, he was restored, but I'll bet you that that boy said, oh, dad, I wasted all of that time. I can't tell you how many people have come to me who've walked away from God or came to God late in life and said, boy, I wasted so many years. I I turned to my own way. I did my own thing. I've wasted so many years. We're in a season where life is hard. We're in a season where people are hurting. We're in a season where it's difficult. But this picture that Jesus is painting is giving us keys. He's giving us a solution. It starts with taking a step, coming back to God. It moves to understanding that we are to connect with our Father, and not just about rules, but with a relationship. And thirdly, it reminds us that we're to celebrate others who come to the Father. The parable really ends with him addressing who? The elder brother, the religious people, the people in the church. It's for us. The end of that message is for us. Always rejoice when someone comes to Christ. Always rejoice when somebody says, I'm giving my life back to God. I've drifted for a season. Always rejoice when a drug addict or an alcoholic says, I'm making a step towards being clean or a step towards sobriety. Always celebrate that decision. Celebrate the man who says, I'm going back to my wife and kids I'm going to make things work. Celebrate the woman who says, I've run out on my children, but I'm going back to them now. Celebrate the kids who rebelled toward their parents, but who say, I've wasted so many years. I want to come back. Come just as you are. Don't physically distance yourself from God, but don't spiritually distance yourself from God either. And some will say, but I'm checking all the boxes. (laughs) Well, you can check all the boxes and still not be close in your relationship with God. If any of you have left the Lord, any of you, I can tell you what will make Jesus joyful. What makes him sad is you've drifted away. What makes him joyful is you're coming back. No matter why you left, no matter where you went, No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, God is inviting you to come home. He's waiting to forgive you and to love you. And the journey starts with just one step, one step towards him, one declaration towards him, Father, I'm coming back. Your loving heavenly Father has been waiting for you, and he's running towards you as you come to him. It may seem simplistic, but we all need to come to a place where we say, God, here I am. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. I know that God is waiting for you. He wants you to be close to him, not to be distant. Would you take that step today? If you've never met Christ as your Savior, Take that step. But if you've drifted from Christ in any area of your life, I challenge you again. 
I lean in and make that challenge. If you have drifted, whether it's how you think, how you feel, whether it's your, your emotions, as we talked about anger in the past, or whether it's just you've drifted from God when it comes to faith, like what's the use? It's time to press in to the Lord. And he will hug you. And he will kiss you. Because that's the kind of father he is. Let's celebrate those who come back to Christ. Let's celebrate those for the first time who come to meet Jesus. Dear Lord, as we close today, I ask you to remind us in this simple, very well-known story about the prodigal son that we will come to you. If there are any this morning that are watching or whenever they're watching this that have never given their life to you, I pray that today, that this moment would be the time where they take one step of faith, where they confess with their lips that you are Lord, and they believe in their heart, and they shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the story, it was not God's intention for that little boy to live with the pigs. Not his intention. But that was that boy's choice. God has more for you. God has better for you. And God wants to give you life and life more abundant. If you're discouraged, take a step to the Lord today. If you've run out of energy, you're depleted, take a step to the Lord today and take a nap. <laughs> Listen, God cares deeply about you, and, and so do I. So let's rejoice and let's celebrate as people turn their hearts to the Lord today. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. If there's anything we can do for you, you can just email us at office at lompocfoursquare.com or, or call the church office, 805 736 2772. We have a prayer team. I would love to pray with you and for you. And if there's anything I can do for you or our staff can do for you, please let us know. Have a great week and let your light shine before those around you because people need to see your faith in the Lord and your light shining bright. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day and a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.